Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Okay, Judges 13, uh, about Samson. It says, now again, the children of Israel of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. This is a repetitive thing we keep seeing over and over and over in Judges. They're doing evil, doing evil, doing evil, and God is always there to do something. I keep hearing people run that theology that says, if you mess up just this much, God is done and he leaves. I don't see that in the Word, guys. I just don't see it. He loves his people, those who will repent or will come to repentance, and he works with them. This gives you no license to sin at all. I have to throw that disclaimer out there because I know it burns some people up. That doesn't give you the right to sin because he gave them consequences. If it's okay to sin, then why did he give them consequences? He gave them consequences of 40 years. This is a long time. And this is the longest oppression that Israel has been through since they got out of Egypt. This is the longest stretch of oppression yet, okay? Anybody think I'm preaching sin license? You just think of 40 years of oppression right there, okay? It's very difficult to deal with. Now, Judges 13 and 2. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Okay, this angel of the Lord, we've seen him before through other periods of history. Other judges have seen this angel of the Lord before. This angel of the Lord is God himself. It is the Lord himself. It's not just some lower-level angel. It is God. Notice the capital A that says angel of the Lord. A capital A indicates deity. This is deity. This is God. He's already appeared. We've seen him in in Adam and Eve's time. He walked through the garden with them in the cool of the day. This angel is, is the Lord. You may remember when Jesus told the Jews in the New Testament that he had seen Abraham. And they're like, you've seen Abraham? That's who this is. He pops in and out of history and man's timeline when he needs to, when there's things for him to say, and he speaks as God. So this is God. This is the Lord. This is the Lord showing up and talking with people in the Old Testament. And so he appears to Manoah's barren wife to tell her that she's going to have a son that will deliver Israel. Now, what great news. You know, a woman's status at that time was dependent on the having children or how many she had. This woman had no children. 
So you automatically got to get some compassion with this woman. What she went through in her life that people probably looked down upon her. She probably wasn't equal with her friends and the way they treated women at the time that had no children is very difficult. And now she hears she's going to have a son. Wow, big deal for her to hear that. But she learns also that her son is going to be a Nazarite. He's going to be a Nazarite. Well, now I'm required to explain what is a Nazarite. What is that? What, what is all involved? The Hebrew word, Nazir, I don't know if I said it right or not, but in my Gentileness, my redneck Texan, <laughs> Nazir simply means separated or consecrated, devoted. Is a very particularly devoted person. And so a Nazarite is someone who has taken a special vow to dedicate themselves completely to God. A special vow. Now, the specific details of a Nazarite are described in Numbers chapter 6. In Numbers 6, talks about what they do. Let me give you a quick, quick summary without going to it. I'll just tell you what it says. This Nazarite vow can be taken by either men or women. Men and women can do this, and they're not to eat anything that's produced by the grapevine from seed to skin or eat any unclean foods because of their special devotion. And so the fact that the angel of the Lord told Manoah's wife not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat any unclean foods, that means that she's having to take up the Nazarite vow on Samson's behalf. Samson did not choose this vow. It was put on mom. She now has to start the dietary and the, the specific rules on Samson's behalf. That's why he told her that. Typically, a Nazarite vow was made by someone on their own, but this is a unique case here. Samson was to be a Nazarite from the womb. That's kind of interesting when the angel of the Lord said he's going to be a Nazarite. Oh, wow, that's cool. From the womb. What? <laughs> from, what do you mean before? Yeah, that means you have to start doing the dietary stuff. I can imagine Manoah's wife was like, whoa, <laughs> hadn't heard of this one. This is new. But also the Nazarite vow had some other specifics that I want to talk to you now from number six and five. It says, all the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. Okay. And Judges 13 verse 5, the angel agreed with this by saying that no razor shall come upon his head. That's one of the rules too. No razor on the head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And so we see all these Nazarite specifications being commanded to begin immediately. This has to start now. And he puts it on her to start these these rules. But I got to, okay, the thing about the foods I get, but I started wondering, how come they can't have haircuts? <laughs> I like my hair short. Matter of fact, this is probably about the longest my hair gets. Uh, probably by next week, I'll have it buzzed right back off again. But why? What's the big thing about haircuts? No haircuts, having no haircut would be a mark. It would be a mark on them. It would identify them as a sign of the vow. You see this guy with this long, long hair? You're thinking, got to be a Nazarite. That's kind of what that was. 
It, it's kind of like how we wear a wedding ring as a marker that shows we are in a vow of marriage, set apart and specifically dedicated to just one person. You see a ring, oh, okay, belongs to somebody. You see the Nazarite with the long hair, oh, you know, that guy's in the Nazarite vow. And so that, that, that was kind of the off limits. Don't try to, just like the wedding ring says, don't flirt with me. I belong to somebody. This ring means don't mess with me. This is accountability to me. I am marked. I belong to someone specifically. I'm devoted. And so the, the long hair on a Nazarite means that whenever you recognized a Nazarite by their hair, you would know not to try to tempt them. Hey, come on, let's go drink some wine together. Let's go hang out. They're not going to do it. Don't put that on them. Don't, don't flirt with the sin with them that they're not supposed to be jumping into because they're supposed to be de- uh, dedicated to God. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, a, a Nazarite would typically choose this on their own. And the reason that someone might want to choose to be a Nazarite, uh, what are some reasons for that? Maybe because they wanted to dedicate themselves for a time of thanksgiving, for a blessing that they had received some, at some point. Maybe they were sick and they got healed of an illness. And there's many reasons somebody might want to choose a Nazarite vow, thinking, man, something, God gave me something great. You know what? I'm going to dedicate a specific time to the Lord and and just this time just to him, just for however long. And then they would start to grow that hair to show that mark, man or woman, they would show that mark. But another thing about the Nazarite vow, there were only three people in the entire Bible who were born as Nazarites. Everybody else chose it themselves, but there were only three. One was uh, Samson, of course, and the other was Samuel. And we had one Nazarite in the New Testament, and that was John the Baptist. Let me show you something about John the Baptist from Luke 1 and 15. It says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink, there it is, neither wine nor strong drink. And he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. A lot of similarities here, isn't there? So the Nazarites, they would remain in the vow for a certain period of time. It didn't last indefinitely. It was a certain period of time. But Samson, Samuel, and John, they were lifetime Nazarites, lifetime Nazarites from birth. And these three were very, very unique. These three men were very unique. You can see a lot of similarities in the three of them. For one thing, all three of these men were born to barren women. I, I think God just likes to do that kind of thing. I'll show you. <laughs> this woman can't have kids? Watch this. They're all born to barren women. We have Manoah's wife who was barren. Elizabeth, John's mother, uh, was barren. If you read Luke 1, it says she was barren. And Samuel's mother, Hannah, was barren too. In fact, Hannah's rival that she had, there was this rival woman always taunted her about that, always made fun of her and tried to provoke her. You can't have kids and I can. Again, it was that status thing. I'm better than you. Then suddenly Hannah has Samuel. Okay. So they were all barren women. And so it's amazing how our God, he's a God of life. Did you know that? He's a God of life. America, I'm sorry. This my body, my decision thing is wrong because that body was given to you. You didn't choose it. You were bought at a price. It was paid for by someone else. It's not yours. And the death, the murder of innocent children, that is against God. God is a life-giving God. Look at what he did to these women here. He gave them Nazarite children. And so the angel of the Lord also said, 
that he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. He's going to be a deliverer. This God of life doesn't want people going off into death. He wants to deliver them out into life. It's amazing. God can reach out to dead souls through the offspring of barren women. Isn't that cool? He's going to bring back a dead Israel in their sin through the offspring of barren women. This is the God of life. That's exciting for me because he brought me out of death into life. So now Judges 13 and 6. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Very different scenario here. They've never heard of this. Verse 8, when Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. He looked awesome. He looked very awesome. I think I'd probably be saying the same thing. Man, this was awesome, this guy. (laughs) And what gets me is she just got the best news of her life. She got the best. You're going to have a kid. It's like, bam, suddenly my status is going to change. I get a child. But she's more charged up about how he looked than by what he told her. I mean, this had to be fascinating. I'm just trying to get in the picture. The first thing she tells her husband is what he looked like than the news he gave her. And so Manoah is so hit by her joy, it drives him to pray to pray for him to come back again. Have you ever seen the joy of Christ or the joy of the Lord in somebody, and it just drove you to pray? The other day I was in a coffee shop, and there's this girl that comes in there from time to time, very young young girl, young 20s, and she's always talking with her friend about Jesus, and she's so giggly. When she's in the room, you just know she's in the room. You can't miss her. (laughs) But she's so happy about it. She's not getting all theological, well, you know, the Lord said. And she's just, she's, oh, the Lord said. And she's all excited. And you just can't help but turn. It's like, who is this? And I remember hearing her going the other day, and I thought, Lord, how come I'm not like that? What's wrong with me? (laughs) And it made me pray that I get a little more excited when I proclaim the news that Jesus came and saved me. She, her joy made me pray, and I just saw that when I read Manoah. is like, wow, look at my wife. He prayed. Hey, bring this guy back. So just a, just a little excitement for you there. I've got, I've got some. I've got to purge it off on you all, okay? So Judges 13 and 9, and God listened to the voice of Manoah. Stop right there a minute. I could go further, but let me hit you with this. God listened to the voice of Manoah. That means he heard his prayer. This is a good prayer. You ever think that God's not listening? Do you ever think that God stopped caring or that you're on your own? Where is the joy of the Lord in your life? Can I ask you that? You know, sometimes we get so down and depressed and hit by so many things, we just kind of slump over and go, oh, woe is me. What happened to the joy of the Lord? Get that joy, get excited and pray. And God listens to that. And then things happen. Just a little quickie. And so God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. 
So Manoah arose and followed his wife when she came to the man. He said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's role of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. You know, I find it interesting it's talking about the man, the man, the man. But right before he gives godly orders, it says the angel of the Lord. He wants to make sure we identify clearly who this is. Because I don't think Manoah and his wife quite know who this is entirely yet. They keep saying, this man, this man, this man. We switch to angel of the Lord, then the orders hit. Just a little little thing I want to show you there. And so every man always thinks about, what's my son going to be like? Is he going to be like me? What's he? It's just on a man's mind. What's my, what's my kid going to be like? And you notice the angel didn't answer that? He didn't tell him. He didn't answer his question. <laughs> That's, he kind of, I think, Manoah went off on his own little tangent for a second. What's my, what's my kid going to be like? And he goes back and he gives those Nazarite vow specifics back to him again. He said, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. Let her be careful. I got to thinking about this. Why did the angel of the Lord come back? Because Manoah goes, oh, I want to see too. The angel of the Lord did not return just to satisfy Mo- Manoah's curiosity of what he looked like. You saw, I want to see too. That's not why the angel came back. He came back to, to issue again to the husband the order of the commands of the Nazarite vow. That's why he came back. Now, there's several reasons why he returned. But first of all, I want to take you to, an un, to see an understanding about a Nazarite vow. There's something about vows taken that we need to understand. In Numbers 6 and 1, here's how vows work. When either number 6, verse 1, and, and the reason I'm going into the Bible with this, because somebody's going to get mad at me for saying this, and I just want to say, I didn't write it, okay? <laughs> this is God here. If you get upset, take it up with him. When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink, neither shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled, for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy, then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. So we see that a Nazarite vow, like I said, can be taken by a man or a woman. Dietary restrictions for whatever the length of time that the vow was held, which is why the angel of the Lord commanded no wine, grape, unclean foods. He was speaking in agreement with number six. God always speaks in agreement with his word. When people try to argue theology and, you, and they go, well, here's my verse, and somebody goes, oh, yeah, but here's my verse, and they pit verse against verse, you know something's wrong with both of them. Because God's word agrees with itself. If you can't see how it agrees, there's something wrong with the person reading it, not with the passages. So the angel is speaking in agreement with number six. And the length of Samson's vow was unique because the angel said in verse seven, his vow was to be from the womb to his death. No razor, no cutting hair. Why? Because it would mark him 
for however long he was in the vow as a Nazarite. And so what we have here is that we know who can take the vow, what the restrictions look like. Now we need to know a little bit about how God commanded that vows are made. Although both men and women can be Nazarites, vows are completely differently done depending on if you're a man or a woman. Again, I'm saying, don't, get, don't jump on me for this. This is God's word. We have a very gendered, charged up society today that doesn't want to hear this. But I want to show you Numbers 30. And like I said, I didn't write this. I'm just trying to explain why I'm still on the track of explaining why the angel came back a second time to speak to the husband. Because I want you to see the difference about vows in Numbers in 30. Numbers 30 and verse 1. It says, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Do y'all see that? Okay, the Lord commanded this. This just takes all the pressure off my back. The Lord commanded this. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Okay, guys, we get that. You say you're going to do it, then do it. it. It sits on you. You vow that, there you go. We, that's easy. It's a little complicated here in verse 3. Or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself, and her father holds her peace, then all her vows shall stand, and every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears, then none of her vows nor her agreements by which she has bound herself shall stand, and the Lord will release her because her father overruled her. If indeed she takes a husband while bound by her vows or by a rash utterance from her lips by which she has bound herself and her husband hears it and makes no response to her on the day that he hears, then her vows shall stand and her agreements by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband overrules her on the day that he hears it, he shall make void her vow, which she took and what she uttered by her, with her lips, by which she bound herself, and the Lord will release her. Also, any vow of a widow or a divorced woman by which she has bound herself shall stand against her. Verse 10. If she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an agreement with an oath and her husband heard it and made no response to her and did not overrule her, then all her vows shall stand and every agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband truly made them void on the day he heard them and whatever proceeded from her lips concerning her vows or concerning the agreement binding her, it shall not stand. Her husband has made them void, and the Lord will release her. Every vow and every binding oath to afflict her soul, her husband may confirm it, or her husband may make it void. Okay, so if, if that makes your blood boil, don't write me no emails. I don't want to hear it. You just keep it in the, in the Word of God. We've talked about difference in male and men and women making vows. When it comes to a woman having a male authority over them, being it a father or a husband, the vows are confirmed or voided by his authority. That's what it says.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.